All right, welcome, welcome to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing. Marty Griffin is away in the Bahamas this week, lucky bastard. And now it's time for a recap of this week in sports. John, how you doing? We missed you last week. Fantastic. I'm feeling good after a big night in Boston last night. Oh, humongous night in Boston. Uh, I was actually getting into the, the New England uh, sports spirit. I sent you a, uh, uh, a picture of what I was getting into. I had two TVs set up. The, actually, I was catching up on the Penguins game because uh, I don't like to miss those on one of my TVs, which, of course, I had the sound on. Uh, but on the 60-inch, I had uh, Boston Red Sox, uh, who we'll get into a little bit later, uh, and then on my iPad, I was rocking the Patriots, so uh, set up my own little personal sports bar in bed. It was quite uh, the height of luxury. And there were, there were fantastic games last night. I'm not sure about the Penguins. I didn't watch the Penguins last night, but the, yeah, games, shootout loss. the games were all were just played at, <clears throat> I don't know if I would say the level was the absolute highest level, but... The comp, the, there was close games in both of them. Come down, they both came down to the end, and you know you couldn't ask for much better as far as view, a viewing experience for a sports games. So yeah. it turned out, and and you know as a Boston fan to get two big ones like that, you know made me feel good. I was concerned going into going into this weekend with the Red Sox set playing Saturday and Sunday, and then the, the Patriots playing Sunday night against the five and zero Chiefs and upstart Pat Mahomes, I was concerned that this weekend could be a disaster. I think I sent you a text on, I don't know, Friday or Saturday saying that this weekend could be a complete and utter disaster and feel, I could feel terrible on Monday. But now it turned out that they pulled, pulled out some very nice, nice wins last night, and I, made, and I feel great today. Well, let's just hop right into the football. Um, I, I'm not going to lie, I was uh, kind of pulling for Patty Mahomes and the boys, um, you know, I love watching the Patriots lose, no offense, maybe some offense, um, but uh, this I, I thought was going to be their big test. If they come out and go 6-0 and uh, beating the Patriots, there's no stronger statement than that. Um, so uh, I think it was a statement game for them, and the fact that they were able to, to score 40 points on the Patriots – I think is pretty remarkable and a, and a testament to them, if not also an indictment uh, on the Patriots' defense. Uh, but fun fact, um, I think Jim Nance mentioned it too, uh, this is the first time there's ever been that exact score uh, in an NFL football game, so that's kind of, I mean, it's sort of a wacky score, 43-40. Welcome to the new age of the NFL, where it's slightly similar to what the Arena Football League is, is with all the new defensive rules. Um, just from the start of the season, I think I sent you a text after week four saying that there was more points scored in the NFL total than there had been at any other point in the first four weeks any other year of the NFL. And with the new defensive rules being what they are, the new rules, the way you, you know you can't hit a quarterback a certain way, you're not allowed to that- tackle the defenders, it's having an effect on the games. And if you look at the over-unders of the games, they're, they're representative of that. Now we're starting... We're, in the past, even going back to last year, an over-under of 50, 51, 52 combined for a game would be one of the, would be the highest of the week. Now we're seeing over-unders of 57, 58, 59 points, and teams are going over that. Mm-hmm. So I think that 
you just have to get used to it that this is the new NFL and the defense is just isn't if you if you're a big fan of like the '85 Bears defense of the 2001 Ravens defense, I think that you're gonna you're gonna struggle to find anything like that. Although we we can get into a little bit to about to the Ravens defense and how good they, oh, yeah, they've we'll been because yeah. they are offering something different in today's NFL world than what the other teams are offering. But as far as can you win a Super Bowl, can you go far without your defense being elite this this year? And, and we saw in the Super Bowl last year. Yes, you can. You don't need an elite defense to do that. You just need to have, you know, a, a team that can play facets of the game and bend the break, bend but don't break when they need to. I think you're seeing that in uh, across sports in general. Um, you know, uh, just look at the NHL this year, and you know the the Toronto Maple Leafs are abs- absolutely lighting it up, but they're also, you know, winning. Five four games. Baseball playoffs have been a little bit high scoring as well. Well, balls have been jumping out of the park all year. Yeah, even last year in the the World Series was that was record runs between mm-hmm. the Astros and Dodgers. So, yeah, we're getting that in a lot of different sports. But I think we if we go maybe we dive back into this Kansas City New England game. And I like I think for me what I realized and I should have realized this a long time ago. And I think what people aren't getting, even New England fans and the sports media aren't getting. The Patriots' specific game plan on defense and what it is tailored to. People say, you know, they're so old in the secondary with guys like McCourty and Chung and these guys that have been around forever. And they're a bend-but-don't-break defense. So they'll give you what you want and let you screw up whatever between the 20 and the 20. But when they're at their best is inside the 20. And that's when guys like McCourty and Chung and Duran Harmon and Dante Hightower, the linebackers, don't have to be as fast because there's less space to cover. So that's when the Patriots are always at their best. When you're a team, I think, you know, the Chiefs had an insane red zone number coming into the game last night. And we saw the halftime score was 24 to 9. Three field goals. Right? So this is what the Patriots' game plan is. This is what they're trying to do. They're going to let you march down the field if you don't screw it up, which is what a lot of NFL teams do. They'll screw up at some point. But they'll let you go down the field. And then they'll stop you in the red zone or limit you to a field goal and bank on Brady and the offense outscoring you. So now, what happened in the second exactly, half then, so that, that's, that 31 That's points. the next question. So the, there wasn't as much red zone opportunities because they were just gashing them. And I know that Belichick was preaching the GTFB defense in practice this week. That's a get-the-fuck-back defense. <laughs> and I just think that their speed couldn't keep up. And Andy Reid is, is as creative as they, as they mm-hmm. come as an offensive play caller. And Mahomes is athletic as they come with a, big as, a bigger arm as they come in the NFL as oh, a thrower. Man. He so, looks great throwing so on the run. He, he, they, they got some plays, and they got behind the defense, and, and it happened. And, you know... That's going to happen sometimes. It happens to, you know, it'll happen to the Patriots. And just, but but I think their overall game plan is to let you get into the, or, you know, let you do what you want inside the 20s. And then once they get in the red zone, they're going to they're gonna try to stop you there, limit you to a field goal, you know, at least, at least half the time. And they do a good job of it. I mean, do, you, do you agree with me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, the, re- the reputation, you know, precedes you. You keep... All you got to do is keep Tom within one score. Um, and and it can, seems like a good plan in this done. new age of the NFL, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. seems like it makes sense. Don't, so. don't overextend yourself. Don't show your hand too much. Ride out the whole game. Clock management. And that, that's really a thing 
I feel like that in the two games uh, that I was able to catch in, in its entirety this weekend, uh, obviously the Steelers game and this Pats game, um, clock management seemed to be the theme there on both sides. Brilliant clock management and also terrible clock management. I think Andy Reid calling those two timeouts with three minutes left, you know, you're giving Tom too much time. Absolutely. You know, I I understand that you want to make sure you're able to do what you feel like you need to do, but... um, It's not the first time Reid screwed up against the Patriots. I mean, it happened with Donovan McNabb in the Super Bowl. And it happened a couple of years ago with Alex Smith in a uh, division playoff game, divisional playoff game. I think it was, the, it was either 2015 or 16 when they came into Foxborough, and they were down multiple scores. And they took nine minutes in the fourth quarter to go down and drive just to get within the right the score. And there was like no, almost no time remaining. They had the onside kick. And once they didn't get it, that was it. Mm-hmm. They had taken so much time to score on to score their touchdown there. And so Andy, Andy Reid has a history of poor clock management. And the other thing is with the timeouts. He used his last timeout after the Gronkowski long catch that brought the Patriots first and goal. And Patriots, the Chiefs took their last timeout with 17 seconds to go. When most coaches will, you know, because the Patriots were going to call a timeout there, they didn't want the clock to keep running, would save that final timeout to try to ice the kicker. Right. So when at the time, you know, it was a short field goal and the Patriots were, Gostowski was most likely going to hit that kick no matter what. But at least you want to have the chance to run down the sideline as a coach and try to call a timeout have him kick it once and then have him kick it again, you know, try to give him a little bit of something. But they didn't right. have that because he called, he wasted his final timeout calling, calling with 17 seconds to go when he didn't need to anyway. You yeah. know, there was not, no point at that point. Wasted timeouts. So we get back into the game. I thought Mahomes, I, I hear, like, I watched some of the sports shows from, you know, the worldwide leader today and some, some other channels and, the talk wasn't about the Patriots and them kind of reclaiming their their number one hold over the AFC. It was how good is Pat Mahomes. And, yeah, I get it. He's good and he looks good and he looks athletic and all. But in the first half, he looked – I get it. It's a Sunday night game and you're going against the greatest quarterback of all time in a, in a rough and rowdy Gillette stadium. But he was missing some wide-open guys. And throws, yeah. were, throws were sailing high, which means he was a little – Overamped for this game, but in the second half he did really he's settle down. He's a young guy. He's a young guy. Well, he's going to be good. But I always my, the other question I have is: Is this another typical Andy Reid Chiefs season where they start on fire and then they fizzle out like they always do as the right. Kansas City Chiefs because they just burn all their bullets early in the season and they have nothing left to show later on. They have nothing left to offer later on. Like the Patriots save their bullets. That's one thing that makes them smart. You know they will. Save some of their best, most creative plays for their for their, their two point conversions when they really need them in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Their third down plays, trick plays, they'll save them for later on. It seems like the Chiefs just kind of let it all hang out early in the season, and then they have nothing left to offer. I feel like we've discussed this a few weeks ago too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know. I have a hard time, um, you know, writing writing them off with with Kareem Hunt, Tariq Hill, and and. Pat Mahomes uh, and obviously Kelsey, um, they got that's a lot of weapons and that's a lot of talent. And um, even if even if the game, <laughs> look at the steel, look how successful the Steelers are in spite of uh, terrible coaching. So uh, if you have enough um, talent there, you know you can get the job done one way or the other. We'll see, especially with somebody like 
uh, Pat Mahomes. He's so good at throwing off the run. I mean, I know, but you got to remember the 2012 that um, RG3 was the rookie of the year, the flavor of the month, the next great big thing, wasn't he? They got he's to the not playoffs. Taking the, he's not taking the hits that that. Not yet, not yet. But then he blew out his ACL, and he was never quite the same. There's been some next great big things. So I'm just gonna play a little bit of a wait and see game. Um, you, know, you weren't, you're not sold on Saquon Barkley. I am. So yeah, no, I mean, I, I am. We'll see. Time will tell. I, uh, I feel like I need to clear the air yet again. I did not say <laughs> that I think Saquon Barkley is a bust or that he isn't probably the best player on. Uh, you know, the Giants. He may, may, he may not be. Odell Beckham probably is. Right, but Odell's not making the plays. He's not games. as impactful, no. Right, and I think a lot of that has to do with Eli, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Saquon Barkley is definitely the most dominant offensive player on that team. Um, I guess we'll segue right into that. Um, well, I just want to say about the Patriots, I feel really good about where they're going. I know a couple weeks ago when we were talking about you know, after the Jacksonville loss, how that was almost a scheduled loss, and then they followed that up with the dud week against the Detroit Lions on Sunday Night Football, and then I was a little bit concerned. But now that they have Edelman back and Josh Gordon seems to be into the mix and Brady just looks better and I feel like the defense will steadily improve. You know, Gronk dragging people down the football field. Yeah, I just, I just feel like I'm, they're ready to go again. Here we go. The Patriots are, are ready to make a run at it again, and I'm excited about it. And yet while I say that and they're 4-2 and two, and now they're number two in the conference, uh, if the Chiefs lose another game and the Patriots win out, then the Patriots will have home field because they won the tiebreaker against the Chiefs. That's why it was such a big game last night. If the Chiefs had won, then the Patriots you know, potentially have to go to Arrowhead and win there to go to the Super Bowl. Now, if they end up with a tied record, the Chiefs will have to come back to Foxborough. I, so while I say that I'm excited about the Patriots and I'm, and I'm ready to jump on board for another ride here and let's go, this game that's upcoming against the Chicago Bears at the Bears scares me. It scares me a lot. The Bears just Bears just lost to Miami in well, overtime, and it's a, I don't think I it's don't a bounce back spot for the Bears, and it's a letdown Bear, spot for the Niners, for the Patriots. The Bears don't have so. We'll continue right on through then. Um, I don't think the Bears uh, have the offense to. Um, the, the defense is amazing, obviously. Um, but you Brock Brock Osweiler put them up yesterday. I think yesterday was just a game where they. What their young team learning to win, like similar to Week One, where they couldn't close it out against Aaron Rodgers at Green Bay, they blew that twenty to nothing lead late in the game. I think they just they went into they went into Miami thinking the game would be easier than it was, and you know the heat overwhelms people down there. And I think that they had a letdown, thinking Brock Osweiler would be some pushover quarterback that they didn't really need to prepare for. So as a young team, you take it for granted how tough of a game the NFL can be sometimes. And they let their foot off the off the gas pedal. And this week, though, they know the Patriots are coming to town, and they're going to have a lot to prove and a bounce back for. And the Patriots players will be kind of like, oh, we just won a huge game playing 60 minutes on Sunday Night Football. Might be a letdown spot. So we could see the Patriots lose this week. I'm just saying we could see it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't see it. The um, In overtime, uh, the Bears' defense produced a fumble and a recovery. Um and I think also equally as important in that situation, a fumble, a fumble recovery, and a touchback. Like, what a just unbelievably awesome play um, 
by the Bears defense there. And the offense wasn't able to, to turn that into a win. Um, so I, I don't see a team that can't uh, capitalize on a situation like that against Miami um, beating the Patriots. Uh, let's move on to uh, your thoughts on Todd Gurley and the Rams. Unstoppable force. Yeah. Unstoppable force. It's just insane how you know, they go into Denver, and no matter how good or bad Denver is each and every year, going into Mile High to play a game is never easy because you know, that defense is always there. Von Miller is always there. The altitude's always there to slow you down. And it just seems to me like Todd Gurley is as big of a lock as there is at any position in the NFL right now. He produces each and every week 100-plus yards, multiple touchdowns. And he started doing this last year, and it just continued into this season every single week. So many yards, so many touchdowns in that offense. You know, Cooks goes out with an injury last week. Cooper Cup goes out with an injury last week. Cooper Cup goes out with an injury again this week. And they just keep on clicking. You know, they only scored 23 points, but they pulled out the win in Denver, which is impressive. They're just an unstoppable force, and I don't know if they're going to lose, but I'll tell you what, there's one game coming up on the horizon, Kansas City Chiefs, L.A. Rams. Yes, oh, yeah. we're going to be getting that in a few weeks, so get excited for that one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Marty's not here to talk about this today, but uh, his Cowboys had a hell of a week. How funny is that they have, uh, um, you know, a uh, offensive gong show and uh, he's on the beach in the Bahamas with no ability to watch it. It's like... Best game they've played in the last two years. (laughs) Unbelievable. So the Cowboys uh, beat Jacksonville uh, 40-7. What the hell happened, John? Uh, I think that Jacksonville is a young team and I think that once again they take opponents for granted and they take game plans for granted. And that tends to happen with young teams, and they, they lose their edge. And if you can't ever lose your edge in the NFL. You know you yourself see that quite a bit as a Steelers fan. Oh, yeah. When your team loses, it loses its edge, even for one week, you can have a letdown against a, a team that no one would ever expect that to happen. Look at the Vikings losing to Minnesota. No, the Minnesota Vikings losing to Buffalo at home a few weeks ago. Yeah. Nobody thought that would happen. So this just these games happen, and... You know, Blake Bortles does. He certainly doesn't help offensively. No Leonard Fournette doesn't help offensively either. And the receivers aren't very good. But the defense, and I had a, I had a funny feeling because the, this Dallas team, even when they were good a couple of years ago, and, but Seattle was, was better. Seattle was running the NFC. Dallas was still able to play and play with and beat the Seattle team because of their size, their size at line. On offensive line, so they were able to push Seattle around, even when Seattle was one of the one of the better teams. So I had a feeling like this could be a game that was similar to that in Dallas. That you know the spread seemed off to me. I think the spread was only two and a half or three on this game. So it's something lit off went went off in my my head saying, "Watch out for this game." The Cowboys could surprise. I wasn't. I certainly didn't think the Cowboys could win, but I thought it was going to be close because. You know, if you can push people around the line of scrimmage, you can do some things. And if a team's not mentally prepared to play a game, they can get you know pushed around all game. And that's what happened. And Jalen Ramsey certainly didn't have a lot to say after that game, did he? <laughs> he was silent as I've ever seen him. Yeah. So it makes me want to say to him, "Shut up." You know, yeah. if you can't, if you're gonna like get quiet. You know, when you're going through tough times, then you can't get loud when you're going through good times. You know, right. you have to be who you are all the time. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, so it was a good week for the GMSR boys. 
and uh, we went three and all this week. Uh, my Steelers brought it in uh, twenty eight to twenty one. Um, an absolute painful nightmare to watch live. We should just have a segment once a week called the Pittsburgh segment because <laughs> there's so much drama. There's the, there, there's the game. Oh, there's like the, the plays the from there, the there, there's the game itself. You know, there's the lead up to the game, the plays from the game, what the two players say after the game. There's the, the Le'Veon Bell news around the game. There's <laughs> what the coaches are doing. There's just so much around oh, Pittsburgh. That it's, it's like you could have your own show just on Pittsburgh. So yeah. ready, set, go. All right. Um, First big takeaway from this game is uh, James Conner is looking like, and this is going to depend on if he can stay healthy and handle the workload, you know, because we don't need a, uh, a Richard Mendenhall kind of situation happening, you know, where he looks great, but then the wheels fall off before you really get going. Um, I think he could be a number one back in this league. He's showing it. This was a big test for him. Um this is a big, nasty defense. Um, they're out there looking to hurt people, and he did well. And he's, he's one of those backs that you see where he gets better as the game goes along, um, you know, and he has those big runs late. And uh, we saw that again today. He had 19 carries for 111 yards. Um, he, again, we're still on the smaller end of the sample size, but it's really starting to flesh out. He's got a 5.8... Uh, yards per carry average uh, in this game and two touchdowns. I mean, you can't ask for more than that in a uh, in a back, you know. Uh, Especially in a, in a tough division game on the road. Yeah, absolutely. And he had he had four four receptions for eighteen yards as well. So you know he's he's doing the outlet thing. Uh, he passes the eye test with the blocking, all of that. Um, my boy Juju Smith Schuster, another hundred plus yard game. Uh, no touchdowns for him, unfortunately, even though he had that, that wonderful circus Close, catch yeah. where he just ripped that ball out of his hand, uh, slid on his head into, um, uh, into the end zone. John, I got to ask, have you ever seen the initial point of contact being somebody's helmet? No, no, I don't remember seeing anything like that. Like, the, the play was so weird. It was an interception that yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster just, just fought that back. And um, There was another play, kind of not. I was, it was uh, similar in skill level, but different in the way it went down. In the Carolina-Washington game, Devin Funches scored a touchdown. He was going over the head of the defender, ripping the ball up. So it was just... Some great as great plays you're seeing in today's NFL. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Uh, but he had a big game. Vance McDonald just who where the was, hell is where this? Where was he last kid? week? <laughs> <laughs> but who the hell is this kid? Like he he's he's coming out. Uh, he's a big boy. He's he's throwing people to the ground. Uh, he absolutely embarrassed Vontez Perfect. Uh, you know the criminal, the attempted murderer. I, I just. I can't believe that that guy's allowed uh, to be in the league still. Like, the league's investigating, is what it says. So we'll probably hear something tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, they need to just ban him for life. He goes out there and tries to hurt people. We talk about this every Makes year. Makes you wonder what the next step is. 
because right. he's gone. He's done the multiple games before. He's done the four games before. Well, he just came back so, from a four game suspension. So what's the next anyway, step? Here? Right, right. I mean, you know, um, this this guy is just a bad dude, and I'm glad. I'm glad Pac-Man Jones is uh, is out of there as well because the two of them together were like gasoline and fire. You know, they would get each other all riled up and, and they would go out and, you know, uh, break Le'Veon Bell's knee and, you know, try and tear Antonio Brown's head off. You know, and then he, uh, on the field after after that cheap, cheap shot directly to Antonio's head, the elbow to the head, uh, goes and says uh, to Juju Smith-Schuster, you're next. Like, come on. We don't... I, I agree that... Not that, what the NFL wants anymore. They've not, stated not, that. not only that, not only that, but we're already, you know, uh, I think that play, um, uh, the, the, rookie, uh, the rookie lineman has Tom Brady wrapped up and lets him go. Because he yeah. thought he threw the ball. You know, three years ago, Tom Brady's getting suplexed into the ground. And, you know, granted, we don't want that. But now defenders are afraid to hit the quarterback. That T.J. Watt uh, fine? Did you see that? No, I didn't see oh it. Oh, my God. He, he, he basically falls, almost grabs um, – the the uh, the leg of Matt Ryan, and like lets it go and tries to roll away. You know, uh, Matt Ryan. You know, does his best um, Neymar impression, and uh, is rolling all over the ground. And they and they find him. I don't know. You know, twenty five grand or something. It's it's just unbelievable. You know, and he takes a fifteen yard penalty there. It, what are we supposed to do? But then, like, last year, like, for, for many years, like, last year you lose to Sean Watson, you lose Aaron Rodgers to... You, you, last year you lost Carson Wentz, you lost Aaron Rodgers, you lost to Sean Watson. That is, that is what the league does not want. You know, they don't want their young, exciting, best players taken off the field because those are the stars of the game. A lot of people watch the names. So as much as you don't like it and we don't like it and, you know, it just is what it is. You know, yeah, I don't. You'd know. rather have I, those guys on the field. Tom, Tomlin had something to say in about this it. game right here. Wouldn't you rather? Would you? Wouldn't you want to prefer to watch this game with Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo no, facing Aaron Rodgers than C.J. Beathard? Yes. So of you have to, to just unfortunately deal with it. You know. Um. So I have one one last thing before we touch on Love Bell real quick. Um. Just. The Cincinnati Bengals are the Steelers' bitch. Right <laughs> yes, now. they are. And it doesn't matter how good they are. 1 o'clock, they, 8 o'clock, doesn't matter. doesn't matter how good they are. They ride the Escalusa all the way down to Bitchtown because... Drake and, or Patrick and said Drake, after the game, though, that yeah, we're still the better team. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was just going to bring that up. Like, <laughs> it's like, what's, what's the matter with you? Like, They play uh, again week 17, right? Um, in Pittsburgh. I don't have yeah, it right in front of Week me. 17, they play again in Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm sure it'll be nasty, especially with this Vontez Burfick stuff. We'll see how it all sh- shakes out. Um, but, you know, I think there are a lot of uh, young guys coming into this game who didn't really get the rivalry. And uh, it got nasty at the end, and I, th- I think we'll see some renewed hatred uh, at the end of the season. 
Um, so. Le'Veon Bell was supposed to report today. Yep, and I just want to um, harken back to a few weeks ago when you were telling me, you sent me a text, Love Bell's going to be back by week. It was an ESPN report. It was... Uh, it was an um, ESPN-sanctioned report on the bottom line. Right, I know. Yeah. The specific guy there. Yeah. Oh, Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy Fowler. Yeah. All right. Just, but he's, this guy says stuff. This by isn't, week, This yeah. isn't the first time that he's had a bad scoop. Right? Can we just... I don't know. I don't know him. So. So. I told you when that happened... You did. He's not showing up. That's bullshit. He hasn't talked to the team. Nothing's been made official. But I he's said, why would ESPN up. let some bullshit report out there? You know, that didn't make sense to me. But here it is, Monday of the bye week, and no luck, Bell. So, is, is that tweet dead on arrival? No. Well, let's give it till Wednesday before we uh, put the final nail in the coffin. But I think it's safe to say Lev Bell isn't coming. Uh, James Conner is is running his nuts off, and um, you know. But he is going to come in the next four weeks, right? By the thir- November thirteenth, he has I to. Think, I don't think so. I don't think so. But then he doesn't become a free agent. I think he's he going needs to accrue this season to become a free agent. I think he is going to. Um, it doesn't make any, the whole hold it makes no sense. I think that. <laughs> I think that he's going to bank on the Steelers. Um, not wanting to go through this again. But he'll have to be a stealer for another year or trade him. Yeah, we'll trade him. Um, speaking of trading him, I, I say if he does report, first thing we do is trade him for um, uh, for a cornerback because Artie Burns is a fucking liability. Oh, my God. Did you see that touchdown that he let up? Um, Tyler Boyd. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's he's the only one on that side. He, you know, that's clearly his assignment, and he's running seven feet behind him. Like, doesn't even get close. Just like, you know, one of those things where he thought he read the play and he didn't run hard on it. And I thought yeah. he was getting better though. No, Artie no, Burns. Artie Burns is is garbage. Joe Hayden, thank fucking God, the Steelers went out of character. And uh, decided to um, decided to sign, you know, a moderately big name free agent um, last year. So that's enough of football talk for this year. We got a lot to look for this year. No, (laughs) (laughs) for this week. Excuse me. Uh, We got a lot to look forward to there. I'm looking forward to a bye week, honestly. It's, it's, so is this week your bye week? This week is our bye week, yeah. Let's see what else we have coming up on the docket for games. we got New England, you got Chicago. I'm telling you, home, and another thing I noticed, these home dogs getting home dogs getting two and a half, three, three and a half points have been coming through in the clutch lately, winning, winning their games outright or covering. So New England's favored by three and a half at Chicago on Sunday, one o'clock game. So we shall see. But I'm a little nervous about that game. I actually might take Chicago uh, covering the spread on that's that one. That's what I'm saying. We got the Carolina Panthers at the Eagles. That should be good. Carson Wentz looked really good on Thursday night. Um, yeah, he's coming back. I, I think uh, he had a, a, a bit of a rocky start, which is to be expected, missing the kind of time he's missed. And, and even when he came, he came back for a short time, uh, it felt like last year he got – it was like almost back-to-back injuries, right? 
uh, he had gotten uh, hurt the previous year. Once? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. No, he was a rookie the year before that. Oh, okay. You must be thinking of someone else. Yeah, I must be confused. Um, but yeah, no. That should be a good game. Carolina's going to need that game to stay alive in that in their tough division with New Orleans. And then you have New Orleans at Baltimore. That should be a fun game. Oh yeah. Because you get New Orleans' high-powered offense taking a show on the road. I I need I need Baltimore to. Where Baltimore's losing. defense, they've got two shutouts this year. Yeah, they're against one of them. Yeah, Tennessee, and the other one was against uh, what Buffalo week one. I was Still, hoping Tennessee could show them. Their defense yet. looks really good now. They have Jimmy Smith back. That should be a fun game to watch. I wonder if we have an over-under here. Uh, Baltimore is favored by one over New Orleans. Over-under, uh, just, just today's NFL, 49.5 for that game. 49.5. Unbelievable. Last year, that would have been one of the higher over-unders of the week. And then next Sunday night game, you get Cincinnati, your, your favorite team, at Kansas City. Should be a good game. Yeah, I'll be rooting for Patty Mahomes again. So well, I would say that those are the three of the bigger games of the week next week, week seven. Excellent. So uh, we'll move on uh, Quickly just recap the, the divisional round of the MLB playoffs. Um, when uh, At the last show, uh, our hockey preview show, we um, were able to get through uh, Cleveland uh, losing to Houston. Um, kind of all sort of predicted that that was going to I thought we, we did predict that, but I thought Cleveland would put up a, a, a better, better fight showing. than they did. But yeah. then, in retrospect, looking back on Cleveland... They cruised throughout this entire season. They had less wins than they should have had. They played 78 of their games against either the Detroit Tigers, Chicago White Sox, Minnesota Twins, or Kansas City Royals. That's like half of their schedule played against that team. They were in command of that division from almost day one. So do they ever really play a meaningful game all season long into the playoffs? Not really. It's like like the, the Pats division. Yeah, so... (laughs) <laughs> that's, a, that's the way but, I see but that. But the Patriots, I mean, they've, they've, they've played in big games before as a team. And I don't know. I guess yeah, you yeah. could make that I'm, argument, but... I'm not... Uh, I am certainly not... a little different. I'm not disparaging, uh, you know, the, the Patriots. I'm just saying... So Cleveland had to... Their division is... Yeah, it's always usually, poor. Usually poor. So Cleveland, they, they definitely underwhelmed against the Astros, and the Astros look, good, look, look, look like defending world champs to me. Yeah. Like a super hot girl who surrounds herself with not hot girls, so she's even hotter. Stand out. <laughs> uh, so Milwaukee also, uh, you know, just mowing over Colorado. Made the poor Rockies their bitch, and that was sad to see, too. Yeah, but that was a depressing series, because I know Milwaukee's the hot new thing in baseball right now. A lot of people are rooting for the Milwaukee Brewers being the new upstart, and they haven't been in the World Series since 1982. But... I thought the Rockies would put up a better fight, but they won the wild card game and basically checked out. Yeah. Even well, at home, they gave no effort. That's one of those things, too, when you don't have all of the pieces, uh, you, you can you can spend it all in the first round. You know, you just, you just give, give yeah. it all you have, and then you don't have anything left. I just thought they put up more of a fight. I did. Um, Dodgers went on to beat the Braves. Another kind of underwhelming series, you know, I did, I did feel that the Dodgers would handle the Braves pretty easily because the Braves are so young. But, you know, the Dodgers really stood out in that series and took that. And then we'll get to, uh, to the only series that had all primetime games. Yep. <laughs> Red Sox-Yankees, that's why. It's just yep. the way it is, unfortunately, for the Astros and Alec Bregman. I know they didn't like being 
kind of the undercard of the first round, but that's just the way it, it is. is. You play in Houston, yeah. you're not yeah. New York or Boston. Right. Sorry. <laughs> It's not, it's not like the TV executives who said, oh, this has to be this way. It's the rating is the drive it. So that people that watch make it, so, make it so. So, unfortunately, that's just the way it is for the Astros. And the Red Sox-Yankees, you know, I coming into last Tuesday's game, going into New York, we had just seen Aaron Judge walking out of Fenway Park blasting Sinatra's New York, New York outside of the Red Sox clubhouse. They oh, just, I, I hated that. They had just won game two and tied the series 1-1, and all of us Red Sox fans were you know, shaking a little bit in our boots. We weren't quite sure how the Red Sox were going to fare. The Red Sox were looking like they were going to fold up tent in the playoffs again for the third straight year after winning the division. And then they go in and just pummel the Yankees 16-1. to It was just the greatest thing to watch. Uh, Brock Holt, Brocktober, hits for the freaking cycle. First time in history. Um, and then he had the cycle of history, suck the other right? night. Yes, first time in history. But then he uh, re- had the circle, cycle of suck on Friday night against the Astros. <laughs> into that. And then the next night, they were able to get a nice lead early, and they held on. They were up 4-1 to one most of the game, and then held on for the uh, eventful Kimball save, which appears like that's, this is a new thing where Craig Kimball is going to Make everyone uneasy. I, I had to walk around the block in the ninth inning. <laughs> I, I had to literally that. walk around the block. I had to go downtown. I took 15 minutes. I come back, and it's still not over. The bases are still loaded. It's four to three Red Sox. And it's just like Nunez has to make this play, and it had to get reviewed. And <sighs> they did it. They won. They beat the Yankees. Very excited. Very excited. We made it. We made it past the first round. It's all I really needed this year, although I would like more. You but sound now, you sound like me last year when we had when we drew the the Flyers in the first round and we were coming hot off of uh, two back you know back to back Stanley Cups and I wasn't necessarily expecting or needing a third one but God damn it when we got the Flyers we needed yeah, we have, needed to win to that series Yankees. so so you you feel like you can breathe a sigh of relief now and just I do I do it. I definitely want more but to beat the Astros like we said the Astros are so good they're defending champs they're built for the long haul they have pitching is unbelievable with Verlander and Cole and proven Keuchel and Morton they've shored up their bullpen with guys like Presley and the young kid James and Osuna and it's just and then you look at their offensive guys and. Even their lineup is a little better, and their stars, they, they have guys like Altuve and Bregman, and Springer has just been a monster in the playoffs. Guys like Marlon Gonzalez, and they have Carlos Correa batting seventh right now. It's, yeah. That's just crazy Unbelievable. Yeah, that's great. So uh, to me, to, for the Red Sox to beat the Astros, it would be unexpected. It would be a surprise. Um. Like the Penguins beating the Capitals the two years we won the Cup. Yeah. You remember, I was telling you, whoever wins this is winning the series, or is winning, is winning the Stanley Cup. But um, I didn't think at, at any point in those two years we were going to beat the Capitals because they were clearly far and away the better team. So we'll see. I know So we get into the series. So as a show, we went 4-0 on our predictions for the – for the ALDS, for, no, for the division series, we, we hit on all of them. We had the right. Dodgers, we had the Brewers, we had the Red Sox, we had the Astros. Now, for the going to the World Series, we have the Dodgers against the Red Sox, and then the Red Sox winning. So we'll see how we go moving forward. But the so we have so now we in the books we have the Astros Red Sox game one, Astros Red Sox game two, series is tied one to one. 
Chris Sale looked awful on Saturday night. I'm sorry, he yeah, did not look terrible. right. And I, part of me thinks that him throwing only 90, 91, 92 miles an hour in that start, and then him going to the hospital and having to spend the night in the hospital last night is related. I think it has to do with they, they're pumping him full of, whether it be pain meds, anti-inflammatories, some, they're pumping him full of stuff in his stomach, and his stomach couldn't handle it, and he had to go to the hospital and get some fluids and get better. Do you think that's outlandish of me to think that? No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, or, I mean, they were calling it a stomach virus. Maybe he really was just battling something, and, um, you know, they were talking about uh, the, the one pitcher um, added uh, six miles an hour to his fastball just by getting a CPAP. Uh, you know, so if you're feeling a little bit under the weather at that level, that can take a lot of velocity off of your arm. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Maybe he was just feeling a little under the weather, high pressure moment, lots of stress. Again, they are pumping but usually they amp well. up. That's the thing about the playoffs is usually the pitcher's velocity amps up a mile or two or three in the playoff starts because they're so amped up and excited to be on this right. big but stage. But again, he could just be sick. Yeah. Like, oh, he could yeah. be legitimately sick. Hard, hard tell not known. So, anyway, they lost, but Chris Sale certainly wasn't the reason, even though he wasn't sharp. Eduardo Nunez was the, was the reason. And I'm <laughs> sorry, but if Eduardo Nunez is going to be playing third base for his defense, then his defense better be good because his bat offers is nothing. Terrible, yeah. So Devers needs to be in there. And I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of Devers not being in there. He's 21 years old, and he's got an electric bat, and he can do things a lot of people can't do with a bat. And if Eduardo Nunez is going to be making routine errors and not be able to stay up, stop routine ground balls, literally, if he stops that ball, it saves two runs. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. And... It, Sale gets out of that, and then in the, the, the whole dynamic of that game. Changes. And then the, there was the double play that he just he, he had just set up tailor made perfect double play, and he just drops it. So if you're not going to be able to play defense, then you can't be in there. I'm sorry, and that just really really bugged me. And the, the Red Sox, their and their approach to that game, it was the other thing that really pissed me off. So they kind of went into this series afraid of what the Astros can do. When if you face a team that hasn't hit in four or five days, you know, baseball is a game about repetition. Players are at their best when they're playing every single day and getting those reps against those. You know, hitting a baseball is very hard to do against 98, 99-mile-an-hour fastballs. It's a difficult thing to do, and repetition is the best way to get the best out of yourself and the best out of your team. So if you're facing teams in 45, 50-degree weather – on a cold night, then they haven't hit in real live pitching in five or six days. The best thing to do is exactly what the Verlander and the Astros did to the Red Sox. Pitch Pound the strike zone and go yeah. right at them, and especially the first time around through the batting order. You know what I mean? Like, make them earn it. Make them show they can hit it. Make them show that it does, it's not killing their hands or stinging their hands when, when bat meets ball. You know what I mean? Right. So... They, but no, the Red Sox didn't do that, and they pitched around him, and they walked a lot of guys, and that set up all the traffic on the base pass, that, and then, then it led to Nunez making these errors and these runs getting scored. And on the flip side, can Verlander we, cruised with that with the proper approach of attacking the hitters. Can we can we talk about uh, officiating quickly? Absolutely. Um, the umpires. Yeah. yeah. It that it just seems awful. I mean, there Cora got thrown thrown out. The Ben Benintendi one specifically, oh, when man. he had bases but loaded. The whole thing for me is just symptomatic of a problem that baseball has where it seems like they're, they take a lot of time getting certain things right and other things which would take zero time to get right, they 
intentionally... Umpires insert themselves into these games for some reason. Right. I don't understand why they do it, why they think they're bigger than the show. They have the, one of the greatest jobs in the world. They have, they're protected by this union that... They're in, in this umpire's union, which is so strong and protects them against so much that baseball can do. And yet, they like to insert themselves and make themselves part of the show, part of the game. So. Yeah, speaking of inserting itself and becoming part of the show, uh, the loud clicking noise you hear is the uh, <laughs> radiators of the restaurant we're using to record this at the moment, so please do excuse that. Um, so the Red Sox tied it up last night. I, I was surprised. Does anyone, you get David Price 0-9 go, going into that start last night in his postseason career. And, you know, he didn't pitch great, four runs and four and two-thirds innings. But the, the one pitch, you know, there was a couple plays. The Springer hit a two-run double down right down the right field line, and that was a great good play. But then the Marwin Gonzalez uh, two-run home run that he hit, it was a good pitch. It was inside. It was high. I thought it wasn't right down the heart of the plate. Um, so I thought David Price, re- like, I thought he pitched okay. It was a step in the right direction. And, of course, they were able to hang on. And the bats came alive a little bit last night. Not so much Ian Kinsler, but a lot of the other bats, like Mookie, Bat- Mookie Betts get- get- got a couple hits yeah, last he night. Yeah, he, he needed, needed that. A, he needed a, a big game, I think, just to break in, and then he'll, uh, you know, the, uh, the sphincter will loosen a little bit. And, you know, he's a guy that does – much better uh, when he's feeling loose. You saw him last night. He was all smiles, yep. joking around. How about Jackie Bradley? And that oh, the yeah. green green monster really helped out Fenway, the, the Red Sox last night with that Jackie Bradley two out three run double that he had, and it hits the monster, and then takes a funky bounce, and then rolls along the padding. I've never seen that before. And it yeah, allowed, allowed all three runs to score, not if it just w- two. <laughs> if it wasn't Boston, though, that would have just been a home run. <laughs> right, maybe. <laughs> and then another more props to the fans as well for not touching that baseball. Yes. Because you see in a lot of places like Chicago, a fan will reach over and grab that, and again, that would, would have taken away a run in that game, okay. which could have been big. And then at the end of the game, when Kimball was doing his suck thing again, um, they're up three runs, and then it was down to two runs with a runner on, and then Bregman hits that last ball against the wall. Oh, yeah. I feel like Ben Intendi said it himself. It, it looked like it kind of started to come back in, and it, he caught it just against the wall. Yeah. So the Green Monster really helped out the Red Sox last night. It was a Green Monster it aided Red throw, Sox. just throwing yeah, juju at it? It was. It, just, it helped out the Jackie Bradley hit, and then it, it stopped Batted the Bregman, away. Stopped stopped the the Bregman, Bregman home hit. run. <laughs> From tying it up, and so the Red Sox pulled it out. It's one to one. Sales out of the hospital. We got Nathan Yavaldi going tomorrow. We got Alex Bregman posting stories on his Instagram about how the Astros went back to back to back against Yavaldi back in May or June when he was pitching with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, and then giving the Astros bulletin board material. And the Astros told him to take that shit down. And an hour later, it was the story was down. So we'll see what happens with that. But we got three games coming up in Houston starting tomorrow at 5 o'clock Eastern time. Oh. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I've caught a bit of the baseball feud for uh, this October. Um, obviously, my buckos are never going to get me there in the uh, with the current administration. It's a tough um, division you have to contend with, too. With you got the Cubs. Yeah. you got the Cardinals, who are always going to be good. Right. And now you got the Brewers. Right. Or a force. Yeah, so it's it's tough, and you know uh, our, our our owner isn't uh, isn't big on uh, capitalizing on the window, um, 
So it's good. Uh, it's good to have uh, my girlfriend team. Uh, you know, be as awesome as the Red Sox. So thanks for that, Johnny. Yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, Milwaukee, LA? So I we initially I was big. I'm big into wanting the Dodgers to make the World Series. I just think that think it makes for a good World Series. Last year's Dodgers-Astros World Series won seven games. We saw a record amount of runs. We saw a lot of back and forth. Uh, but if it's the Red Sox-Dodgers, those are two classic teams that have been around a long time. And just I feel like that would make a really good World Series. And I just feel like the Brewers, while they're a sexy story, they don't, they're not there. There isn't the same excitement for a Brewers-Astros or Brewers-Red Sox World Series to me. But the Brewers are currently up 2 nothing on the Dodgers in the top of the sixth at L.A., Series is tied one to one. Brewers just seem to have the right mojo going on right now. And uh, you know, if the Dodgers don't win tonight, uh, who's going tomorrow? Well, they got Rich Hill going. But we don't know who's going for the Brewers. It doesn't seem to matter who's pitching for the Brewers because oh. they only let their starters go four or five innings anyway, and then they bring the bullpen guys yeah. in. So speaking speaking of the bullpen, if we could just move uh, quickly back to the Boston Houston series, I wanted to get your thought on. Uh, Bringing in uh, Rick Porcello uh, late in the game. I love it. I mean, if you don't, if you, <laughs> Dombrowski and the Red Sox brass didn't go out and get a bullpen arm, so they needed to come up with something. And if it's going to be a starter when it should be their normal day to throw in the bullpen in between starts, and it seems to be working out great, and Porcello seems to really be embracing that opportunity. Sale, too, when he did it last week against oh, man. New York. He just, they, um, they look so dialed in, and, and you're getting that... Um, Max effort for three outs. Right, exactly. And I, I, I thought it was great. Honestly, I think he had the most, the most consequential um, innings and sort of had the biggest part of, of getting the Red Sox that win last night. Really settled things down. It was, uh, Bullpen's been surprising as a whole. Like Even guys like Barnes... Brazier. They've been better than I thought they would be. Right. Just something that was looking like it was going to be a liability. Um, right. I, I think the way they... Are, that was everyone's biggest concern. The way they are working it, it's... Um, and then, but, but that way we, we have the Kimball concern. Like, what is going on with this guy? I think he's one of those guys that needs to... Um, Works works best at critical mass, you know. It's it's hard. It's driving he's, nuts. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got to load him up to shoot him down. I mean, as a fan, it's so hard to watch. It's oh, a heart yeah. attack every oh, yeah. time, man. I told hey, you, I had to take a walk. I had to take a fifteen minute walk from the game, break from the game because I couldn't handle it. Mark Andre Fleury used to be my goalie, dude. Oh, it's just yeah. three outs. It's like can you just get <laughs> these three outs, man? <laughs> All right. Well. uh... Real quick, we've got a couple minutes here. You missed our hockey preview um, last uh, last week. Um, do you have any thoughts about uh, your Bruins this I'm year? I'm excited. They look good after they laid that egg on opening day, the 7 nothing loss to the defending champs, Washington. I hate watching they Washington win, but that They seem to be rolling again. Best line of hockey, um, back at it again. Yep. Um, makes me absolutely Marchand. fucking sick, but uh, Pasternak, Marchand, and, and Bergeron are just unbelievably good. Um, but the big question on Boston is, do you move 
do you move one of them down and play with Krejci because the second line's doing nothing? Yeah, I think you give it more time. They um, had a whole season last year, and then it came down to came came back to bite them in the playoffs last year because they couldn't get any. Then once you shut down the first line, they couldn't get any production anywhere else. Uh, I think you'll start seeing a little more out of Ryan Donato as a young kid. You they know? just got benched the other night. They benched. They they completely benched him. And Cassidy said he needs to show that he appreciates his spot in the lineup more. And until he does that, he's not going to be in. Uh, you know what? I bet you they benched him because he was on uh, spitting chicklets. <laughs> I don't know, but get a little too cocky. No, he's just one of those guys. You know, he's a little big for his britches. He he went out and uh, was the big name at the Olympics and. Um, the other big name uh, in the Olympics, Troy Terry, has been tearing it up as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, you guys got a lot to look forward to. Um, I think goaltending is going to be your issue this year. Uh, if Tuka does or does not get the yips. He's not good. Yaroslav Halak might take over at some point. Oh, that's that's not great. That's like Tuka's not great. He might get traded. Yeah, you don't want to trade while value is this low. I don't think he's not great. I think um, I just think it is. He is what it is. I think he's around number fifteen in the league, yeah. and he's paid top three. Yeah, it's not a good look for you guys. No. Uh, also, you don't have a third line center yet, right. still, and that doesn't help either. No, um, but there's a lot of young guys coming up to the system. I know that. I don't know all their names. McAvoy is great. I know that they have a lot. They have they have a lot of young guys that are coming for the Bruins. So yeah, defense too. But yeah, definitely on the offensive side. And Bruce Bruce Cassidy has been a been a, a great breath of fresh air. Absolutely. Uh, you know he, he embraces the modern style of hockey. Uh, but and we'll we'll certainly get into hockey more as uh, the season progresses, especially as uh, baseball and football uh, wind down. And then we have to do basketball start tomorrow. Celtics start tomorrow night against oh, Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, I think we are uh, gonna officially go live. Um, next week and that'll feature a basketball uh, preseason preview of which I will have very little <laughs> to offer. <laughs> you know, can we give you our MVPs rookie of the year or oh yeah finals yeah. I, mean, I think everyone's pretty much assuming that it's going to be Golden State again to win it probably against the Celtics so hey uh, hey spoilers that's not really a spoiler because everyone says <laughs> yeah <that>. no it's <laughs> not <laughs> But you can look forward to that next week. Marty will be back in town, and we'll have the gang all back together with a fresh new logo and uh, actually getting it online. And uh, we plan on also retroactively posting uh, everything as well. So this is, uh, this is Ernesto Sanchez for Marty Griffin, who is not here, and John Downing, who is looking incredibly hot. Uh, <laughs> T- temperature, temperature, not uh, sweltering. Into it. <laughs> t- t- <laughs> not you know, not like Channing Tatum hot, but uh, <laughs> more like uh, more like fucking Jack Black uh, dripping. Jack Black, yeah, at the end of a show. Good one. All right, so this is our final uh, preseason send off. Happy to do this uh, with you, Johnny, and looking forward to taking it live. All right, all right. Have a good week. See you.